Grab a Bible, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We're continuing our journey through Solomon's journal of life and how he's looked at life and the recordings that we have of his wisdom and how we can see that in our lives. I don't know about you, but as I've gone through this study and I've really dug into the book of Ecclesiastes, I've been looking at life a little differently, and I hope you have too. I've been looking at life with Ecclesiastes' eyes, and you see things, you're like, oh, that's why that is. Last week, Josiah and I went up to my mom's for Labor Day, and, and it was the holiday weekend, not much traffic on the road, and we were flying. We were going to get there in good time. We got up into Pennsylvania, and there was a two-car accident a mile ahead of us, and the road was closed, and we sat for 45 minutes. Solomon says, the race is not to the swift. Time and chance happen to everybody. If you can't figure it out, and you can't plan it. This past Tuesday night, I was at a Nats game and came home and was coming out of the metro station, and everybody's got their little metro cards out, ready to go through the gate, and some guy does a leap over the gate, and he goes out through without paying. And Solomon says, you know, both the righteous and the wicked are going to go to the same place. We all got home that night. Some paid and some didn't. And Solomon says, that's how life is. And if you start looking at life, you just start seeing things like, yeah, this is the Ecclesiastes life we are living And so Solomon, through this journal, he says, you know, things are meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. And at some point, we can say, why bother? What's the use? Let's just sit around. Well, now we get to chapter 11. And Solomon says, no, I I might have given you some idea that you can just sit and you can just relax. And some ideas that could result in some inertia in your life because no outcome is assured. You can do all the right things and still end up in the wrong place in life. And the people that do the wrong things end up in the seeming right place in life. And Solomon says, now listen, I don't want you not to do anything. Because there's a danger of coasting. There's a danger of just drifting aimlessly. And so he calls for action in this passage that we're going to look at today. Really what he tells us is, you know, the old slogan to just do it. But to do what? Well, he says to do this, to live life to serve the Lord, to be involved in things that are not meaningless or futile, to stop chasing the wind and truly, really live. What he's telling us is don't wait. The time is now. So starting in chapter 11, he's going to give us a couple things in three little sections that we're going to look at today. But the first thing that he's going to tell us is this, is do it when you can. Look what he says in chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Now, that's some profound stuff right there. Wherever the tree falls, that's where it's going to lie. He says, whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and in the evening let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that. Or whether both will do equally well. He just says, you just don't know. And what he says, he says, don't let your hands be idle. He says, you need to be doing something. Tim Hansel says this, the habit of always putting off an experience until you can afford it or until the time is right or until you know how to do it is one of the greatest burglars of joy. Be deliberate. But once you've made up your mind, jump in. So Solomon is saying, don't wait The fact is, you don't know. And sometimes we don't do things because we think it'll turn out poorly. But Solomon says, you might just end up well. And it might turn out well. 
there's a sign along an Alaskan highway that says, choose your rut carefully, you'll be in it for the next 200 miles. And it's the same advice for our lives. Choose your rut carefully, because you're going to be in it for a long time. Habits are so hard to break, and it's hard to get out of that thing. And so Solomon has been advising caution, but now he's recommending we do some things. And so in verse 1, some translations say, cast your bread upon the waters. You may have heard that verse in Ecclesiastes. The word for bread just means goods. It doesn't mean literally bread. He's not like saying, throw a loaf of bread on the water like you're feeding the ducks. And after many days, you're going to find it. Who wants soggy bread? That's not what he's saying. He says, ship your goods. Do something with them because you may, he says, you may receive a return. But here's one way that you're never going to receive a return is if you never ship your goods. If one, one guarantee of failure is to never do anything. Solomon is saying, at least do something. It may succeed, it may fail, but you never, you don't know, so you at least have to do it. And so what he says is, he says, ship your grain, do it. Uh, this business venture, he says, be generous and share what you have. You'll receive the benefits many years later. He says, you may receive a return. Seven or eight ventures is a way of saying, don't put your eggs all in one basket. <laughs> diversify, uh, do this, do this, uh, the spreading out of your interest and in things in life, rather invest instead of hoarding. Do you know what an inheritance is? An inheritance is something you leave for someone, but a legacy is what you leave in someone. God wants us to leave a legacy for others. Legacy isn't measured in what you accomplish during this lifespan. Legacy is measured by what's accomplished in lifespans after your lifespans. You see, God is always interested in the next generations. There's no success in my spiritual life if I have not birthed spiritual children. Most Christians will become Christians and they'll go to their grave and never lead anyone to the Lord. They'll never multiply themselves. They'll never birth another Christian that is not leaving a legacy. A legacy is what we pour into someone and we leave into someone so that after we're gone, our influence still lives on. And so Solomon says this. He says, you do something. Henry Ford says, success is not rare. It is common. Very few miss a measure of it. It is not a matter of luck or contesting, for certainly no success can come from preventing the success of another. In other words, what he's saying is success isn't that I'm getting ahead by pushing somebody else down. He says it's a matter of adjusting one's efforts to overcome obstacles. And adjusting one's abilities to give the service needed by others. Most people think of it in terms of getting. Success, however, begins in terms of giving. Remember Solomon redefined success? He, didn't, he doesn't tell us that success is what the world says is success. The world would say success is what? It's, bo- it's bigger and better and faster and stronger. But in God's economy, success is faithfulness. Success is generosity. Generosity. And so Solomon says, he says, when you watch the wind, in verse 4, uh, will not plant, whoever looks up at the clouds will not reap. Now, when you plant the grain and the, the wheat uh, harvest is ready to be harvested, you need to do it when it's dry. And so if I go out and I'm going to harvest my wheat and I'm watching the sky, oh, there might be a cloud coming, it might rain, I'm always looking at the sky, guess what happens to my harvest? It's not getting harvested. The same with planting. He says, if you are constantly looking at the wind, which way the wind's blowing, you have the seed, and I'm waiting for everything just to be so, it's never going to be done. He says, if you're too cautious, you'll never do anything. 
uh, farming demands hard work. He said, trees are, are cut down. You can't wait for the wind or the rain. What he's talking about, uh, it's the way the Hebrew words talk about the two extremes, everything in between. And so we can't wait to do something. We have to do it when we can, Solomon says. Um, quit bowing down to the God of prudence. Do you know what the God of prudence is? Prudence is... I don't know if it's possible. I don't know if I can afford it. I don't know if I have the time. I don't know if the time's right. And we go through all this list. How many times have you wanted to do something and you make lists, pros and cons and pros and cons, and you never do it? Solomon's saying, get up and do it. Quit talking about it so much. Quit dreaming so much. He said all throughout Ecclesiastes, dreams are fruitless and futile. How many times have people said, I'm going to do something and they never do it? Solomon says, you need to do it. You need to get out and do the thing. You don't know if it's going to succeed and you don't know if it's going to fail, but you'll never know. And you get to the end of your life and you never know. How sad is that? And so Solomon says, you get out and you do it. He says in verse five, you don't know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb. Now, look, we know how the body's formed in the mother's womb, but we don't know how that, that spark of life begins. Nobody's been able to create life in a test tube ever. So in a way, it's still a mystery. And Solomon says, you don't know. There's, this, there's, these, there's these workings of the Lord. You can't understand the, the maker of all things. There's some things that are seemingly random, and you don't understand the ways of God. But you do what you need to do. Start activating your life. Don't wait until you have the time or the money, because you're going to run out of time. And you may never get the money. So Solomon says this, you do it. When you can. And when is, when is the time to do it? Now. Let's say that again. When is the time to do it? Now. It's not tomorrow. It's today. And all through our lives, we dream and want and to do, and we never do it. Because listen, the time is never going to be perfect. The time is never going to be right. The money is never going to be there. The things are never going to all be there. Solomon just says what? As long as you watch the clouds and watch the wind, you're not going to do anything. How about this? You get busy and you do it. You start living this life. You start enjoying this life that God has given us that he writes all through the book of Ecclesiastes. And so what he says, he says, do it when you can. And the when is the time. The time is, is right now. So he goes on in verse 7. He says this. Light is sweet and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all and let them remember the days of darkness for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. You who are young, be happy while you're young. And let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body. For youth and vigor are meaningless. Now, Psalm's like, he's like talking out both sides of his mouth here. But what he's saying is this. You need to not only do it when you can, which is now, but you need to do it when, while you're able to do it. He says what? Do it while you're young. What is, what is he saying? I want you to do it while everything's still working. <laughs> because there's going to come a time when everything's not working so well. And you need to do it now because you don't know when that time is going to be. Listen, it's not just uh, aging. It is also accidents. It is also tragedy. It can stop us. And so Solomon says, listen, you don't know about tomorrow. You need to do it today while you're able. Listen, you are all able. We all got here today. It may have taken a little while to get into the car. It may take a little while to get out of the car. 
But we're all here. Somebody else may have had to put your shoes on this morning. That's okay. But we are still able today because we don't have a guarantee tomorrow. We may not be able tomorrow. So Solomon says what? Why? Remember when you're young. It's like remember now in that, in that time that you are. And so he says there's this contrast between light and darkness. Light refers to those pleasing moments of life and darkness refers to those tragedies and those hardships in life. And he says, listen, life is too good to waste a single day. Verse 8, however many years you may live. What does he say? Enjoy them all. Every single year. Chapter 3 said there's a season for everything. And that God will make everything beautiful in its time. But he says you enjoy the moments that you are in. Don't waste a single day. Be glad of it right into old age. Because you're going to be dead a long time. But you enjoy today. He says, sweet is the, is the, life is sweet. And you know what the opposite of sweet is? It's bitter. Listen, if you're over 40, don't let life turn you into a cynic and become bitter. There is nothing worse than a bitter old person. And you know what a bitter old person is? There is nothing good. You can give them a free lunch and they'll say, oh, I have heartburn. I can't eat that. Oh, it upsets my stomach. I'm on a salt-free diet. Instead of saying thank you and taking it for the gratitude. So listen, don't become bitter. Have you ever talked to those people? It doesn't matter what you say. There's always something bad. Always. It's just like this negative Nelly. I don't know what happens as we get older. We become more negative. But with the joy of the Lord as our strength, that is not a Christian worldview. The Christian worldview is to have joy in our old age right in the glory land. And if I am a negative Nelly, I am feeding the flesh and not the spirit. Why all of a sudden get grim and practice frowning in front of the mirror? We practice smiling in front of the mirror. And so Solomon says, don't become bitter. Don't become glum. Don't become, uh. Remember Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh? Oh, well, everything is awful. Listen, there are some awful things. But where are you looking? Where are you finding your joy? What's the focus of your life? A lady was waiting in line at the grocery store and she noticed a well-dressed, sad-looking gentleman standing behind her who looked especially dignified. And she asked him, do you happen to be a minister? He replied rather abruptly, no, I'm not. I've just been sick lately. You see, she thought that a glum-looking person could not be sick but had to be a minister. And sometimes we have that air about us. Oh, you must be a Christian. You look so depressed. You look so bitter and sour. There's nothing joyful in life. Everything is wrong and everything is negative. You've got to be a believer. No, Solomon says what? We have this joy in our lives. So do it while you can. He says, uh, Logan Purcell Smith says this, there's two aims in life. First, to get what you want. And after that, to enjoy it. Only the wisest person achieves the second. We race our whole lives getting what what we want and then we never can enjoy it. Solomon says, enjoy it. But he also says this. He says, those who are young, be happy while you're young. Let your heart follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. Now, it sounds like Solomon is saying what? Do whatever you want. While you're young, sow your wild oats. You just go out and have a good time. No, that's not what he says. 
He balances it, and he says, know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So there's this balance that Solomon gives. He says, on the one hand, don't worry, be happy, do what you want. But then on the other hand, he says, he he pulls that away and says, but still God will bring those things into judgment. What he's saying is, don't go wild with your liberty. Still have joy and still have fun. He says, but don't go wild with your liberty. Don't go out and just do anything you want. You're still accountable to God, but, but do anything you want. Listen, our, there, there, there's something in our lives. There's this thing. Have you ever felt that thing? If you're a parent, there's this thing back there, and this thing says you're an awful parent. You're, you're not doing it very well. That thing, right? Or maybe in the workplace, you have this thing and you're like, man, I, 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 don't do, I don't do this job half as well as everybody else. Or whatever it is, there's this thing, right? Do you know what that thing is? Nothing. It's us putting that on ourselves. And for too long, people have told us, don't do this. Stop doing that. What if we started giving people permission more to do things? Listen, if you're not violating the word of God, do whatever you want. You have fun. You have freedom. You have joy in life. And for too long, it's all been about here's what you can't do instead of here's what you can do. And this is what Solomon is saying. Enjoy your youth. Enjoy the things of life. Do all the things you want to do. Remember, God's watching. We don't want to violate his word. But you do what you want to do. And we still got this thing, right? I'm a terrible husband. I'm a terrible mom. I'm a terrible sister, brother. I'm a terrible whatever. You get rid of that thing. Psalm says, enjoy. There's nothing there. Why? Verse 10, he says this. Banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body. He says, youth and vigor are meaningless. Why are they meaningless? Because they're going to come to an end. But you banish this anxiety. It suggests a peace of mind. And the casting the troubles off your body, it suggests this good health. And what he's saying is, don't lose the years when you're able to worry or pain because this is the time to be free. What did Jesus say about tomorrow? Don't worry about it, right? It has trouble enough. And we are always borrowing trouble from tomorrow. The what ifs, the what could be's, the what what happened. Do you know what Satan loves to do? Satan loves to keep us in fear. And listen, there is a machine out there that markets fear. All you have to do is watch the news or talk to folks. The world is ending. Everything's going to burn up and die. This is going to be over. It's marketing and fear. Don't you live your life in fear? We serve one who's greater than anything. And we can have our lives controlled by fear. And we can have our lives dictated by fear. And what Solomon says, banish anxiety. Get that out of your mind. God, Listen, is God still in control? Yes or no? Yes. But why do we live like he's not? Lord, this is all going to come to an end. I'm going to be out on the street. I'm going to be dead. So what? God still loves us. He still does things that are good. You see, focus on, we focus on this fleeting youth and vigor is what, uh, what we do. John Gardner says this. If happiness could be found in having material things and in being able to indulge yourself in the things you consider pleasurable, then we in America would be deliriously happy. We would be telling one another frequently of our unparalleled bliss rather than trading depression medication prescriptions. Why are we so anxious? Because we are, if we are not careful, we can get stuck in the world system of fear and fatalism and everything is wrong and horrible and no good. And Solomon says, banish anxiety from your heart. Why can we do that? Because we know our creator. 
We know this maker, he says, of all things. My, uh, our ability, what he says, is do it while you're able. We do it when we can, which is when. When is now, because now is when we're able to do it. I may not be able to do it tomorrow, so I need to do it today. Procrastination is the death of many things. Don't do today what I can put off till tomorrow. You know what? You may not be able to do it tomorrow. My uh, mother and father-in-law were looking forward to my father-in-law's retirement, 2000. And they were going to travel and do all kinds of things. And it wasn't too long after that that she got cancer. And five years later, she passed away. Guess what happened to all their plans for travel and all their plans for seeing all kinds of things? It never happened because they were waiting for some magical moment in the future called retirement. Listen, don't wait. Do it while you're able. Do it now so you don't have any regrets in the future. And we don't, don't wait until you, uh, until you have the money or the time, because like I said, you may not have the time, and you may not have the money. You do it, the thing, now. So Solomon uses that to transition on to the next topic, chapter 12 and verse 1. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you say, I find no pleasure in them. Listen, we get to those places in our life. We get to those places in our life. Remember when you were young? And for those of you who are young, you have a, you, we're idealistic and we dream and we think of life as going to be a certain way. Does it ever really happen that way we pictured it? Now, sometimes it, there are pieces, right? But into that, there's always something that happens. The psalmist says it's the time and chance of life. It's the randomness of life. There's, there's, there's illness, and there's death, and there's broken relationships, and there's things that happen. We, we have this view of what we want to happen, but we, it doesn't take us very long as we get older to understand that as we walk this road of life, that, that dream that I have uh, uh, comes up against the reality of life. And I can have a couple choices. I can be very discouraged. I become very bitter. Or I can say, Lord, this is, this is life on planet Earth. And I need to do it now while I can, while I am able, because I may not be able to do it later. And if I don't do it now and I wait till later and I can't do it later, then I live with regret. And I live with disappointment. For all of us, there are things in our life as we look back over, we would say, I wish I woulda. I wish I woulda. I wish I would have stuck with those piano lessons when I was six, because now I can play the piano, but I can't. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that, right? I wish I wouldn't have done this, because here I am now. But listen, the past is the past. All we have is what right now? So Solomon says this. He says, do it when you can, and now's the time, but do it while you're able, right? We, we may not be as able today as we were yesterday, We may be slowing down a little bit today, but listen, if I'm slowing down a little bit today from yesterday, what's going to happen to me tomorrow? I'm going to be a little slower than I am today. And so he says, do it when you can. Do it while you're able. And in this last section, he says, do it before you're dust. That's what he says. He turns from the potentials of youth to the problems of old age, and he does this call to remember, in verse 1 of chapter 12, remember your Creator. Many years ago, George Gallup uh, reported this. He said, for many people, the age of old is arriving later than ever before. We hear that all the time, right? Uh, 50 is the new 40. 
don't know how this goes. 60 is a new 50, right? We hear that all the time. He says, if you had been born in the year 1900, your life expectancy would have been somewhere around 45. You wouldn't have had a midlife crisis because you'd be dead by then. If you were born in 1940, the odds at birth were against you surviving to enjoy retirement. But if you are here today, and this was back a couple, we're born in 1980, so however old you are now, if you were born then, you can look forward to living a life in your early 70s. And for those born today, life expectancy is closing in around 80. See, what happens is that old is not as old as it used to be. And so what does Solomon say? Remember the creator in the days of your youth. Listen, youth is extending. So I'm going to choose this way. I'm going to say that youth is now into its 80s. <laughs> How, are you with me? We're going to say that because of the life expectancy is going. And we're going to say what? Remember God in the days of our youth. And remember is, means to be, act on behalf of someone. It doesn't mean just to remember with our brains. It means that I'm going to remember God and then I'm going to live accordingly. And so the best advice that Solomon gives us is to remember your creator. The best advice for living is what? To begin with God. Commit yourself to him and build your relationship to him early so that you can have this track record with him and build your life on him. Remember him prior to the days of trouble. The call to remember is a call to commitment. And so Solomon says this, as you're living life, you remember God. A simple prayer is, God, I commit myself to you. You created me. You know what's best for me. I'm willing to adapt my life to your plan. I'm ready to go your way. That's remembering God and our creator in the days of our youth. God is the one essential ingredient for a truly happy lifestyle. This is the doing that Solomon calls us to do, to remember God. Often we don't find it soon enough. But when we do find it, we need to remember. So now Solomon goes through this frailty of old age, and he uses three metaphors. He uses um, an oncoming storm, a house, and some precious objects. So look what he says happens in life and describes what happens in life. He says, we should remember God before these things happen. So look what he says in verse 2. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. Where is that? That's our mental capacities. Where do we talk about darkness? Right? It's that depression. It's that thing in our minds, right? He says, you remember God before this mental dullness comes in, this storm of life comes in. And then he talks about uh, our lives as a house. He says, when the keepers of the house tremble. What are your keepers of the house? Your hands. When you keep the house, what do you do? You pick up something. And so Solomon says, you remember God before what? Your hands start to tremble and the strong men stoop. What are your strong men? It's your legs. He says, you remember God before your hands start to tremble and before your mind goes dull and before the strong men start to stoop. And then he goes on and he says, when the grinders cease because they are few. Now you all know what this is. What is this? Your teeth, the grinders cease because there's not, there's not many of them there anymore. And he says, and those through, looking through the window grow dim. What's our windows? Our eyes. Our eyesight starts to go dim. And then you need to go to Martin to get some glasses to fix the dimness. Uh, Pasadena Eye Care. Hit him up afterwards. <laughs> when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades... When people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. How do the songs of the birds grow faint? 
our hearing starts to go. That's why we sit six inches from the TV with the volume full blast. Our, our, our eyes are going dim and our ears are going shut. And he says, when the almond tree blossoms, that's that thing of maturity and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire is no longer stirred. What is a grasshopper? You ever see a grasshopper? He's dragging himself along. What is that? See, you got some person with a, with a cane, a walker, whatever, right? You drag yourself along. And so Solomon says, this is what's happening to us. He says, then people go to their eternal home and mourners go out in the street. Remember him, he's saying. Remember who? Remember God before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well. A lot of uh, commentators say that the silver bowl is our brains, right? Before that shattered before dementia, before our memories, before a stroke, before anything happens, you remember God. And when are we to do that? We are to do that now. Because we don't know about tomorrow. When the wheel is broken at the well, what is the well? The well is that source of life. What's that source of life in us? The Bible says it's our hearts before the heart is broken. Have a heart attack or all kinds of other things that are going on. And so what Solomon says is this, we need to do this. What, to, what, what is the doing he's calling us to do? He's calling us to remember God and to align our lives according to God's purpose, because all these things are happening. And he says, the wheel uh, broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground from which it came. There it is. Solomon is talking about a reversal of Genesis chapter two, verse seven. In Genesis 2, 7, it says the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And Solomon says at the end of our lives, what happens? The spirit leaves and we go back to the dust. This is that cycle that Solomon is talking about of life. And he says it goes back to the spirit returns to God who gave it. Breathe into us this breath of life, this, 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 right, the spirit, that spiritual part of us. Then he concludes and he says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, everything is meaningless. But it's not really. Because Solomon doesn't really believe that. Everything is meaningless. What he's saying is, a life apart from God, when I don't remember God, I don't align my life according to God's plan and purpose for me, then that's meaningless. Because I'm going to get to that place where the keepers are trembling and the strong men are drooping and the grinders are falling out and my ears are going closed. And if I don't remember God prior to that, it's going to become much more difficult to remember him now. Especially when I can't remember where I put my car keys. How am I going to remember the Lord? He says, so do it while you can. And listen, we all in this place today, we can. We can do it now because tomorrow there's no guarantee it's going to be better. That does no guarantee our minds are going to be sharper. There's no guarantee that we're going to be uh, fit, fitter tomorrow and, and, and more physical tomorrow. But so Solomon says, what well, you need to do it, but you need to do it now. But thankfully, these aren't the last words in the book. We're going to get to those next week. He wraps it all up with another command, another way that we can challenge ourselves and so we go through life, and we, the problem is, here's what the problem is in life. Sometimes we work so hard to get God to love us and to get him to approve of us. We live our lives trying to get the approval of, of our Heavenly Father, and so we do that, and we miss, but we miss the life that's here. 
because we, we have it backwards. Because the New Testament and the gospel says this, that because of Jesus, right, we, we have the Father's love on us. I don't need to work for that. And so here's what Solomon says. So we take Solomon from the Old Testament, we take the teaching of the new covenant that we're under, and we put them together. And here's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus had done so that we can be free to do it. You see, I don't have to live my life doing all these things. I don't have to live my life trying to earn God's uh, love and approval because I have that in Jesus. And so what does that do? That frees me up to do the things that I can find in this life to do without fear of failure, without fear of rejection, without fear of God not approving of me. How do we know that? Well, look at John chapter 19. The verse is on your notes. Later, this is Jesus on the cross, later, knowing that everything had now been, what's the word? Finished. And so that scripture would be, what's the word? Fulfilled. Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on the stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus says, what? It is finished. There it is. You should underline that. With that, he bowed his head. And he gave up his spirit. That word finished is that word that means accomplished. It means done. The redemption was done. Jesus Christ, he had paid the price for our sin. It was done. It was finished. It was complete. And so in my life, if I am in Christ, right, this isn't just a blanket for everyone, but this is in Christ. It's received what? By faith, Paul says in Romans chapter 3, that I have this in my life. So now I am free to do it. Do you know what kind of shoes Jesus would wear if he were alive today? Maybe some Timberland, Doc Martens, some Vans, maybe some Crocs, I don't know. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says this, Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Do you know what fear does? Fear succumbs to the world. Faith overcomes the world. And if my life is ruled by fear, I am succumbing to the world. And all the things the world tells me. But faith overcomes the world. Faith gives me the strength. And John says what? Faith is the victory. Here's the bottom line. Jesus defeated the enemy, death. One word that sums up Jesus' work is victory. Victory over all his enemies. And you know what? Our enemies as well. If you're in Christ, your enemies, sin, death, and the devil, have been overcome in Jesus. All these were villains. They were defeated by Jesus Christ. So if Jesus were living today, the kind of shoes he would be wearing are Nikes. Not Nikes. They pronounce it wrong. It's Nike. That's the Greek word for victory. Nike. We have the victory in Jesus. We have the victory in Christ. Why? Because he said it is is finished. I receive this gift, and now I am free to do it, because I don't have to be ruled by fear. Second Timothy says this, God's purpose has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. It's the gospel that shines the light on life and immortality. 
And so as we go through Solomon's journal of Ecclesiastes, it is depressing if I don't have the gospel, if I don't have Jesus, if I'm not in Christ, if I don't have over my life, it is finished, it is done. And Jeff, you don't have to try to earn it. You just live it out. You don't have to spend your life trying to earn my love and my approval. That was paid for in Jesus. It is finished. You have the victory. I don't have to live in fear. Why? Because I have the victory. Faith overcomes the world. And the victory is not mine. The victory is who? Jesus. Listen, we work from victory, not for victory. We spend our entire lives trying to be successful, trying to be victorious, trying to, we have it backwards. Jesus completed the victory back there. He did that so I can do this. I'm operating from victory. Whose victory? His victory. He's already won the victory. I hear Christians all the time say, I want to be victorious. You are victorious. Quit saying you want to be. You are when you're in Jesus because he was victorious. He paid the price. He said it is finished. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Quit saying, I want to be victorious. You start saying, I am victorious. Because in Christ, everything that Jesus accomplished has been applied to me. I am victorious. Your bulletin is that little reminder. Take that home. Just do it. Do what? Remember your creator while you can, when you're able, and before you're dust. And that means right now. And Jesus did it so that I don't have to spend my life trying to do it to earn my salvation. I have that. That's that thing that Jesus did. So Solomon says this. You work meaning into your life. You do what you, you do the thing. Don't stand around looking at the clouds and looking at the wind and, and dreaming. And, and if I have one more person say, here's something I'd like to do, I'm like, you come tell me after you've done it. <laughs> right? We all are dreamers. We all want to do something, but we never get it done. Listen, in Jesus, we have the victory. So what's preventing you from doing it? Failure? No, you have the victory. Sometimes success. Even if you're successful, you still have the victory. The thing is that the failure is the not doing it. Remember, the results are up to God. They're not up to us. The faith and the success is getting into the thing. It's not the outcome. What's God calling you to into? What, what is it in your life that you just need to do? Listen, don't confuse the two. Don't confuse working out your salvation with working for your salvation. We've got to work it out. How do we do that? We work it out because we have that great gift in our life. This is true living. I'm living from this place of victory. I'm going to put on my Nikes. You can correct everybody you see from now on. It's not Nike. It's Nikkei. I'm going to put on my Nikes and I'm going to walk through life. I'm going to run through life because Jesus has the victory. And the victory is his, and because I'm in him, I also have the victory. Listen, there's that old saying, we're not getting any younger. We are one week older today than we were last week. We are one hour and six minutes older than when we first started this service. Nobody's gone back in time. None of you walked in as an adult or child and is going to crawl out of here as a baby. It just doesn't work that way. None of us is getting any younger. And Solomon says this, 
today, while you have today, while you can, while you're able, and before you're dust. Listen, my grinders may be, uh, my grinders may be on the kitchen sink every night, and I may put them in every morning, but that's okay. You're still able to put them in. You still are able. And he's saying, you're not dust yet. And as long as you're not dust, you need to just do it. You need to just do it. Don't become negative and cynical and bitter and a complainer and all that stuff that goes as we get older. You live in the joy and the peace and the strength of the Lord in the victory. In victory. Jesus says, it's yours because I said, it is finished. Listen, God designed me to be empty without him. Why does Ecclesiastes say, remember your creator? Because God created us. And there's a space in our lives that only he can fill. And Solomon, all through his journal, has said, I've tried to fill it with all kinds of things. I've tried to fill it with pleasure. I've tried to fill it with success. I've tried to fill it with um, women. I've tried to fill it with uh, houses and lands. And, and, and eventually, that's why the guy kept saying it's meaningless. And as long as I start trying to fill my life with all that stuff, I'm going to get to the end of the day and say, what in the world am I doing? This is meaningless. It's futile. It doesn't last. It is gone. It is here today and literally gone tomorrow. It just takes one hurricane to wipe away an entire life. So Solomon says, remember your creator. God has filled, put this place in our lives that only can be filled by him. Well, I don't know, maybe you're feeling depressed. <laughs> maybe you're feeling like, oh man, I wasn't thinking I was getting older, but now we went through all that stuff. And you know what? I am getting a little older. I, no, let that encourage you. Let that encourage you. Now, today is the day. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till next week. Today is the day to what? Remember your creator. Remember him. Remember all the things that your maker has done for you. Even the things we don't understand, but God is still in control. Listen, your best days are always ahead. Don't romanticize the past. Don't glorify the past. Your best days are ahead. Do you know why? Because we are one step closer to eternity. We are one step farther in our spiritual walk. We are hopefully one step more mature in our walk with Jesus. Our best days are always ahead of us until we turn to dust. And then our better days are ahead. (laughs) And it's as a believers in Jesus, we always have hope. And we always have a, a, a way to step out into tomorrow without fear. Do you know what faith is? Faith is reckless. It is not foolish, as in foolishness. We see some people doing foolish things, 120 miles an hour on a motorcycle around the beltway. That's foolish. But faith is, 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 is foolish in the sense that it does things that don't make sense. And we want to be so prim and we want to be so proper. And we say, well, I don't know about this. What do you think about the wise men following a star? Do you think that was sensible? What about a virgin who was, became pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit and her husband wanted to divorce her? Do you think that was sensible? What about a guy who was called to build a boat 
for 120 years and put all the animals into it. Do you think that was sensible? What about a guy who was told to leave his homeland and go to a place that he didn't know where he was going and God had promised that he would be the father of many nations and he was like a really old guy and his wife was also really old and they ended up having some kids. Talk about crazy. That's the faith that overcomes the world. That's the victory that we have. We are so prudential in our lives. We want to make sure all the T's are crossed and all the I's are dotted and all the debits equal the credits and all of that. And God's like, no, what I want you to do is I just want you to do it. Not something crazy. Remember, God is going to bring into account all of those things. But what he's saying is you, you step out in faith and you do the thing that doesn't quite make sense. You do the thing that looks a little silly. You do the thing that maybe other people won't understand because I'm the one that you are to please. So we come to our time of prayer, our time of decision. You know what God wants is God really just wants us. He wants us. He wants you. If God, listen, if God's got your heart, he's got everything. If God doesn't have your heart, there may be some pieces, but if God has you, he has everything. And I hope, you've been a challenge, I hope you've been encouraged and challenged today by, by this section of Ecclesiastes to, to do the thing while you can do it, and now is the time to do it. So as we pray, as we sing, I want you to pray to the Lord, Lord, what, what have I been holding back? The good thing in life that I, that I, that I know I am to be doing, but I, don't want to, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to look silly. Or I wanted to wait till the right time. Or I wanted to wait for the money to come in. I wanted to, and, and Solomon says, you have no guarantees. You have no guarantees. You do the right thing. You do the good thing. You do the holy thing. You do the righteous thing. You do all those. You do the faithful thing. You do that today, right now. Don't say, well, when I get home, I'm going to make a, no, 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 no. You start that list right now. Say, well, tomorrow, me and the Lord, we're going to get this. We're going to get our acts together. No, don't wait till tomorrow. You do it now. Don't stare at the clouds and don't look at the wind because you'll never get the harvest and you'll never plant the seed. And Solomon says, you got to just do it. It doesn't all. It doesn't make sense. We hate waiting rooms. I don't know about you, but I do not like to go to the waiting room. And the DMV is probably the worst waiting room. If hell has any place on earth it's the dmv just go and people don't have their paperwork and like are these people really driving what are they doing we hate those waiting rooms and at the same time we turn our life into a waiting room that we just love because we're just not doing anything we're just sitting around and we're letting somebody else do it or we're just dreaming all these dreams and we're in these self-created waiting rooms We hate the DMV, but we love our little waiting rooms. What's God saying? God's saying, just do it. Would you please stand and we're going to pray. Father, we thank you for faith and for victory. It's the victory that overcomes the world. Jesus said it is finished. So we operate from his done so we can do. For the assurance of our faith, the assurance of your uh, love and your forgiveness in our lives because of Jesus. Father, I know as we've talked through Ecclesiastes, it's such a sobering book because we see life for what it is. 
It is fast. It is fleeting. We are failing physically and mentally. But God, you've given us life to enjoy. You've given us a life to remember you while we can. And right now is the time to do it, not not to wait. So, Father, I don't know what we need to do. Maybe just a a personal recommitment, a personal repentance. Father, a personal, Lord, I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to remember you. I'm going to commit to you. God, a personal, maybe stepping out of the boat and, and not waiting until everything is all in order. We have everything just so, but, but God, doing the thing like the great men and women of Scripture teach us to do. So, Father, of these next few moments, would you just have your way in us? We give you us. We thank you for the victory that we have in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.